We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 310 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and with me is Levon, aka Barcelev. Levon, you got the short straw of Benfica, and now you get the short straw of the Bayern Munich Review, too. But you speak with your heart, and that's why we have you on, and we may need a little heart right now. Are you up to it? What's up, guys? Um, yeah, this is probably going to be uh, the most depressing uh, uh, podcast, at least until February because in February we'll probably get eliminated from the preliminary rounds to the Europa League, and it might be even more depressing. How's everybody doing? Yeah, I mean, there are highs and lows. We're going to talk about all this stuff. I figure that trying to break this one down and talk about the actual tactics and all that stuff, I already recorded the YouTube match review, so people will see that, but this is going to be a lot of big picture stuff. Yeah, I mean, that said, let me. I don't know how to put a positive spin on it, but what I will say is, all of the negativity that Xavi is going to get from this match and all this stuff, I want you to pretty much immediately throw that out. I mean, courtesy Barca 19 stats. With today's result, Barcelona's last 10 Champions League defeats have all been by at least a three-goal margin. For Barcelona and FC Barcelona at the moment, of course, this is another of what is a referendum. I talked about it on the earlier show this week, but this is another example of the rock bottom that Barcelona is now seeing on the field that we knew about based on their finances and Messi leaving months ago and months and months and months ago and the way that this club was run. And now that's why Barcelona are in the state they are with the results that they're getting. And Bayern Munich is just a team that could win the Champions League. And I think I ended the match review by saying that, I mean, that's where Barcelona is at the moment, sure. But I mean, we're still Kool-Aid for a reason. There, I think there comes with a sense of privilege, this idea that the Europa League means that Barcelona as a club are finished, will never be back to the Champions League, will never be in a position of top four. That if this winds up being the worst season that Barcelona has in 21 years and they're better next season than they were this season and they move up in the world more, I mean, they build on the project of where they are now, right? I keep asking, is this rock bottom? Is this what rock bottom as a team is going to look like where they're just so far behind Bayern Munich where tactics and no matter who he put on that field was not going to change that result. Nothing that no one Xavi had at his disposal was going to change in any formation, in any way, in any direction. It did become a lot worse when Jordi Alba went off. That is very true. We'll get like, to that in a second. Yeah, you know, it, it it was pretty even until then. Like you know, they could have scored, sure, but we could have also scored. 
the moment that Jordi Alba went off, that just killed us. I feel I felt that it killed us both emotionally as well as uh, as tactically, because then all all of a sudden, you know, Dembélé was all by himself. He wouldn't have anybody opening up opening up that space for him because you're gonna Mingesa on the left, which is something that I don't I don't quite understand. Uh, you know, put put Dest on the left and somebody else at right forward at that moment, you know? Because Mingesa, man. Anyway, we weren't going to go into tactics, nor am we going to pretend to uh, to understand the game better than Xavi. That would be ridiculous. But yeah, I, I don't get depressed that easily, but this is depressing. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm wondering if you're, I think, I think the thing that has me most down about this match, I, I mean, not to say down about this match, but not to say hopeful for the future too, when you have to say goodbye to certain players. But in the case of Destin Gaitha, this that I've said for a long time is a player I like that I think has a very high ceiling. But unfortunately, if unless he can actually improve, like I keep saying, unless he can actually improve, then he'll be 22 years old in a year or two, or he'll just be sold over the summertime and Barcelona already going to be looking for a replacement and Danny Alves is going to play out the rest of the year. I mean, that's after a match like this, 17 total touches for Dest, five completed passes, lost possession six times, dribble pass twice by Alfonso Davies. And it's not that Alfonso Davies is better than Sergino Dest. I'm not reinventing the wheel by telling you that. But Alfonso Davies was so much better than Sergino Dest. That is the worry. The worry is that Dest was so outclassed in 1v1 and as you could tell, I mean, offensively, defensively, mm-hmm. Alfonso Davies just was such a superior player than Des. That's what you get the worry from, is that this, this is a player that, again, I have long said that has the potential, had the ability, if under the right system, with the right manager, if things worked, he has enough natural talent and understanding that he could reach a high level. But it seems like that it potentially stalled again uh, under Kuman. And if Xavi is, does not find a way to unlock something at, for him at the age of 20, then he's just just not as good. I mean, not, not as even not as good as Alfonso Davies, but so far off the mark that Barcelona need to find another long-term option at right back, which is something they'll have to consider. And then Mengetha, who is again, the other, other than Danny Alves, the other right back on the roster, if you will, other than Sergio Roberto, who's out long-term with injury and potentially out of contract. Mengetha was even, not say more worrisome for me, but my hope for Mengetha was that he would be man number 21 through 25 on the roster. But if Barcelona are winning a Champions League, is Mingetha even 21 through 25? That was actually how rough it was today. With the, the, the second goal between he and Langley, I had praised Langley against Real Betis. I thought he played well. I thought he was, as you had said, I thought Langley was fine with Jordi, Al- uh, Jordi Alba next to him. But then once Alba was gone, that combination of Mingetha and Langley was not it. It was just too slow, too out of position. And especially when Barcelona oh, and Bayern rather were countering, they could either come through the middle with Coleman, Coleman would cut in, move out, Sané, the, the fluidity, those combinations. And yeah, it just wasn't happening. And, and especially on that second goal, there's this picture. It's, it's just an indictment. Muller just raised up over him, heading it into the goal. Mingetha behind him, not even jumping. Langley doesn't even jump to try to take him off it. They're just behind nope. it. And that's it. That was the first goal. That was oh, the first yeah. goal. Right, the first goal. Yeah. Right, right. And then the second goal was the, the Sané, which Sané was just up through the middle. Again, that was the other tactic thing I, that I want to ask you about was that for, I mean, what does Barcelona do and I think for the Liga, if the Liga teams are looking at this and saying, hey, maybe we could do what Bayern did, what does Barcelona do when with fast teams with wonderful first touches when they man-mark Busquets as Thomas Muller did and they have a winger like Sané who can come through the middle? Because those numerical advantages were not working for Barca. It was just a 2v1 Muller because Barca would turn the, the ball over and Muller would be right there next to Busquets. And then Busquets would have to track Muller and, and move with Muller 
which left that wide open for Sané. And I found myself over and over again, figuring, trying to figure out where, where De Young was. But the answer was De Young was pushed farther forward to support Memphis and Gabi and Dest and Dembele. So there was just a hole. And that distance, we talked about it before, that distance between Busquets and De Young was just too wide again. And, Bar- and Bayern Munich, the second Barca turned it over, either from the wings or the middle of the field. It was Sané straight right. in the middle. And, and with, with Piquet and uh, Longley, you have two central defenders who prefer to cover rather than anticipate. Mm-hmm. Araujo, as, as a right back, I suppose to counter the threat from, uh, from Davies as much as he could. Davies is just a superstar, man. Like, you know, um, he is such a good footballer. And pe- people see his, uh, his strength and his speed because that is what is easy to see. You know, most of us don't understand football and, and enough to, to really go beyond, oh, that dude is fast and, uh, and he puts himself in great positions. But he, he is that very rare player who at such a young age is um, physically so much stronger than his competitors but also makes the right decisions on and off the ball. And that is just extremely rare because usually a player who is uh, so physically superior, I mean, he dribbled past Araujo, which mo- most, most people see Araujo and like they don't want any part of it because they know they won't get past him. Davis just took him on on the, uh, on the mean, last nobody, goal. He, he just blew past him. Yeah, nobody uh, in the Liga did that for 10 months. It was 10 mm-hmm. months before anyone in the Liga did that thing that you're just that you're mentioning. Exactly. And what happens a lot is when you're physically superior, all the rest of your game suffers because throughout your whole development, look at Alejandro Balde. People ask him, why does Balde not get a chance? It's because he's not a good, good enough footballer. It's because throughout his whole life, he's been so much faster and stronger than anybody else on the pitch that that is what has gotten him by. But now when he has to take that next step and actually needs to make consistently make good decisions on the ball, Balder doesn't doesn't get any game time. So for, for Alfonso Davis to play like that, and people people say that he plays like that because he is fast and because he is strong. No, that guy plays like that despite how fast and strong he is. And hats off, I was extremely impressed with uh, with how he played. As for well, can I, I let me throw in, let me jump in quickly on the uh, on the Balde and Davies stuff that it's a bit, you know, I think for Balde, you look at where both these were at 18. Balde is just trying to get into Barca's first team when uh, when Alfonso Davies was 18. And well, I think he was the deal went through when he was like 17 from Vancouver Whitecaps to Bayern Munich. And then he made the move at 18, obviously, when he legally which, could, um, which is even more insane because he was not even schooled in Europe or South America. Right. But well, well, this is actually the point I was going to make that. There's a confidence to him that fits Bayern Munich because when he was 16 and 17 and I was already work, you know, I'm, I'm working with Major League Soccer, working and watching him play. He was for a terrible Whitecaps team. He was Vancouver's only option at times at 16 and 17. And when he they knew that he was leaving at 18, that franchise was gutted because they were losing their most important player. And there's something about when you're 16, 17 years old, whether it's in whether it was actually Yusuf Demir, I kind of hope that he would bring that in from Rapid Vienna because there were times in Rapid Vienna would put give him the keys of the castle and say, hey, you know, Yusuf Demir, you're our guy here to create something and do something. You're going to be our, our main man. And so I hope that Demir would have that confidence. But yeah, for Alfonso Davies, when when Byron signed him, they signed a player that was the most important player on his team. 
for Balde, again, he's just always a member of the system. And for these Barcelona players, it does take a little bit longer that with the exception, actually, I think of Gabi, who has been the best player and been like the guy that his teammates have always looked to at every level. The exception of Gabi, most of these other players were just one among many Lafmacia talents for a long, long time. And so I think there's even a difference in mentality other than, again, being behind the eight ball of decision making. Well, where Davies was given the ability to fail at a bad major league soccer team here in North America when he was 16 and 17 years old. And now that he's not failing and now that he's brought that confidence to Bayern Munich, I mean, he's ready to go. And you're right. I mean, physically, when you take all that confidence and all that understanding and all that responsibility, and you also make him a fantastic decision maker and technical footballer and make him a great athlete. Yeah, that's how you get Alfonso Davies. So I just want to throw in that it's a little bit unfair for that. I mean, and then the only thing that was like really unfortunate about that, too, as far as like the generational thing was that Omar Richards, who's 23 Englishman, whatever, but Malik Tillman, Nanzi, all these Bayern Munich kids who don't really play at all, who have to wait for their chance, get thrown on late on. Meanwhile, Barcelona put on 22-year-old Vicky Puj, Mingetha, and Coutinho. And then, yeah, we saw Nico, who's, I mean, a, a regular starter. So it's, I'm not going to, it's not a crazy thing. We, we've seen him before. Getting a Champions League spot is not that insane. And then Demir comes on late, really pretty much after you can affect the match. And so, yeah, I mean, it was one of those where it's like, would I have been happier if Balde and Elias Komash came on the field? I mean, not really. I mean, right? It doesn't really change that much. Barca have enough young Chrisers figuring things out as is. But mm-hmm. the worry is that, you know, really the worst case scenario for Barcelona that I, I was thinking about, and it's only because Barcelona were losing in this match, was that Barcelona had this quote-unquote dream team, golden generation coming up through. But there is this great possibility, just like Real Madrid five years ago when they were, or four years, three years ago when they were signing all those Spanish youngsters, there's a, a chance that this generation doesn't work out for Barcelona. And that's the future that I don't, that it terrifies me more than any others. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up 
and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention, those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. You could go in a different direction here. I Go back to what you were going right. to say after the Davies stuff. Let's focus on this match. You're right. Well, e- even the Davies stuff, it, it was more of because we were talking about the reason that Araujo played on the played on the right, yeah. which I don't I don't think he was that poor. He was he was kind of okay. Uh, so you're asking, well, what, what are we going to do about Busquets when Busquets is man marked and they exploit that space? Well, w- one of the things is if you have Busquets in a triangle with two center backs who who do not anticipate, then that that is kind of an awkward combination right there. Uh, so. I think Busquets in front of uh, Araujo and Eric Garcia is already a bit better because you have Araujo who cleans up when people get through. You have Eric Garcia who anticipates very well. What hurts so much is I, I look at our squad and I, 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 see, I see a group of players that should simply do a lot better than what we are seeing. Uh, so... Uh, pe- people have been saying, well, the, co- the coach is terrible. Now people are saying, because, you know, hey, Xavi is the golden boy, so it cannot be Xavi. Now people are saying that the players are terrible. I don't think either is true. I think Xavi knows ball. I think Kuman. well, we talked about how Kuman completely lost it this season. But I think last season, Kuman was uh, was decent, maybe even good. I think if, if we look at our squad, then there's obviously... A problem that we have too many pe- players that are either uh, too old or too young, but there's still an incredible amount of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very few players who, you know, you simply would not play. Umtiti, and I think that's that's about it. Luke de Jong. Luke de Jong, thank you. Yeah, I, I was doing my best to forget Luke de Jong. Yeah. Um, what we do see, however, is an incredible lack of. Uh, uh, balance that comes from not having any forwards who who play well, uh, who attack the space well, and not having any midfielders, field fielders, who burst through that midfield to uh, to attack space. So you have like a bunch of players who who like the ball at their feet. And that's why we're not creating enough chances. And when we do create chances, uh, we're, we're not finishing them because we do not have anybody who attacks space other than Ansu Fati, who is injured, mm-hmm. uh, and Martin Brathwaite, 
yeah. who is also injured, who is not good enough to be at Barca to begin with, but just because of his profile, we are missing him now that he is injured. So Dembele, he does not attack, attack space. Depay does not attack space. Neither did Messi, of course, but Messi is so good that Messi is Messi. Griezmann, he attacks space. People say that he don't. But if you look at all of the goals that he scored for Barcelona, a, a good amount came off of forward runs yeah. where he was being fed the ball. So in midfield, we have Frankie de Jong, who is kind of okay at attacking space sometimes, but not really. Like, you know, he's... He it's out of necessity. Barcelona. It feels like it's out of necessity. It's, as a it's out of necessity, yeah. Because... Right, there's no other option to do that job. Exactly, because be- before he arrived at Barcelona, what did he play? He played second holding midfielder, and he even played as a central defense, uh, central defender for a whole season, right? Romero, yeah. So out, out of necess- out of necessity, we've turned him into a player who uh, who we want to attack and make forward runs. We have Gavi, who again does not at- does not attack space. Nico does not attack the space. Pedri when he's back, it's going to be the same issue. So it's, it, it, it was not completely crazy that Kuman wanted um, Wijnaldum on that team. And now, now we see why. So I, I, I think like big picture this season, that is our most glaring, uh, glaring issue. Even so, like I do not see a team that uh, should have to worry about qualifying for the Champions League. Which, which I'm really worried about right now. Yeah, there is some irony in having to watch um, Jamal Musiala because he actually is that, of all the teenagers, Barca have all of these promising, wonderful teenagers, but Musiala is, was the player that you're talking about, and he is that player for Bayern Munich, where he is a player that attacks the space in that way. Is he a midfielder? Is there a forward? Actually, it doesn't matter because he attacks that space, and he does the job. He, he's in the places he needs to be, and you can't really put a position on him in that way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's time now to talk about the yeah the state of where Barca is at the moment because I agree with you that this is still a team, and I know Xavi said the things he had to say in the post game where he talked about mm-hmm. our focus is now on winning the Europa League, on qualifying with the Champions League, on winning the Copa del Rey, winning titles is what Barcelona does, and that is what my goals are. And of course, he's going to say that any manager would say that it'd be unwise especially with the, the the hounds of the Spanish press waiting for him anyway outside the room. <laughs> That's the thing to say. But as far as where Barca is in the league, yeah, I mean, they're in seventh. And I think there are people saying that, yeah, they expect Barca to finish in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. But I th- agree with you that even though we're in December, there are still many, many matches left to go in La Liga. And Barcelona have a, at least enough quality in that squad to be in the top four and be in the Champions League next year through their talent, through just the, the talent in the squad. And there's enough there to contend. It just has to all be put together. And as I've said from this match, and another thing that frustrated me about watching this match is that when I watch Villarreal and Real Betis, even though Real Betis was ugly and awful to watch, but even from that match, I can watch those 90 minutes and say, what did I learn? What is being built here? What is the project? What is the tactics? What players is he trusting? And there are things that you can try to extrapolate from those matches. And then I watch this one. I say, I mean, they were so beyond the level, or so below the level that there's really nothing I can take from it. I mean, I don't think we learned anything. There's something, I mean, Xavi, if I was him, I'd just throw the tape out and say, I mean, this is not who we're facing week to week in La Liga. You know, there are teams at our level we're facing every week in the Liga, not Bayern Munich. We don't have to face these guys. Throw this one out. Don't worry about this one. 
And so when it comes to the Europa League and comes to Copa del Rey and come to Liga, I know people are being pessimistic, but Barca has a squad enough to compete in those competitions because that is where Barcelona is as a team right now. And but we're, I mean, but we're not seeing it though. With results, you mean? With results or football. We were crap against Betis. It was not just yeah, the results. I, I don't even think the result was particularly uh, deserved because I don't think Betis was, was that good either. But we were terrible against Villarreal. Other than the first 20 minutes, we were horrible. What was the match before that? Espanyol? No, Benfica. I thought, I thought we were good against Benfica. But against Espanyol, I, I just saw the last 50, 55 minutes. But again, we, we, were, we were horrible. I think Xavi needs time. Right. I mean, I think that's I, I think you know, the same thing I'm saying. Yeah. What project is being I, I, built? I, I, that's what I'm saying. Obviously, Xavi needs time. But at the, at, at the same time, uh, the, the last two seasons, we saw teams that were so poor that they fired their coach midway through. Uh, Tuchel and uh, what's his name? Flick. They took over and they turned those teams around immediately. Mm. Immediately. Mm. And, um, you know, with, with Barca right now, we are not seeing it. And I'm not even just the results, but in, in the football, the play, we're, 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 not, we're not seeing it because we play poor. Yeah, I mean, the comment from Thomas like, Moeller after the match was the one that was, I think, the most damning, that he said, technically, and as far as the skill level that Barcelona has, and even the things that they're calling out and the spaces they know they need to be in, Barcelona are at the level, is what he said, but the intensity is what was lacking, and that's the scary one, that when you say that the intensity is what's lacking, it means all of those trolls on social media who keep saying that Barcelona are weak-minded or the mentality isn't right or that you know Barcelona are becoming this loser club. I mean, th- those are the ones where that kind of quote from Thomas Muller, who you know, is as, about tr- as trustworthy and kind to Barca as his LinkedIn account might say. But as far as Muller goes, I mean, he, he unfortunately has a point about that intensity that I mean, it's one thing to we talk about the intensity of Gabi or Ricky Pooch or individual players or Barcelona on the press. But I mean, this was the first time. And again, the other thing about the progress is I've been watching the press, the intensity of the press. And I think there are bright signs to say that once Barcelona actually do get organized and do get some practice reps, I think you're going to see Barcelona taking more or at least finishing some of those chances when they turn the ball over, they turn the opponent over 10 to 15 yards or 10 to 15 meters from their goal. I think you're going to see more of that. I'm optimistic that that's going to happen. But again, against Bayern Munich, when you have a team that is just too good, you're not going to press Bayern Munich. And Xavi didn't try to do that. He actually respected that about Bayern Munich and sat in the medium block and was going to live with that. But if Barcelona, especially with their youthful exuberance, if they're not trying to turn the team over, I mean, that's if Barcelona are going to have possession, they have this kind of skill and this kind of quality, they're going to have to pressure. They're going to have to turn the ball uh, under team over. And I think what is gone, Messi is gone. So certain excuses have been created. But the excuse with Suarez and Messi gone that Barcelona can't press anymore is gone. This team should. I mean, yes, Busquets and PK are still floating out there. But I mean, there's there is this world or this is match in a Copa del Rey. It's coming that I am going to be analy- over analyzing and overthinking. There's a match that Busquets is not going to start. And what that match looks like, what that press looks like in that match is something that I am going to, again, overanalyze and try to galaxy brain because Busquets is Barcelona's best defender in the midfield. True, because of his reading of the game. But I'm wondering what that youthful press with a little bit of reps and a little bit of instruction is going to look like. How far off is that? How far is the future that when Busquets is finally gone, not say that he's over it now, but when he is gone, what is that midfield going to look like 
And how close is that future coming? Can Barcelona become a pressing side led by their midfield again? And is that, is that coming soon? I mean, you know, if, if Busquets presses while Langley and Piquet are behind him, yeah, you can that go back just, to that point, sure. Then, you know, that, that just opens up insane, insane spaces. So that, that, that's not, you know, I, I don't think uh, Busquets is the, is the problem for our, for our pressing game. I mean, look at, uh, look at Thomas Müller. Is he fast? I mean, he's not slow. I mean, he's long. He, he makes up ground very quickly. I will say that. I mean, I, and I, I actually think Busquets are the same thing. Being long, just kind of gangly, being in the right places. I, you know, I, I, think you're, I think you're correct to call out that it sounds like I'm blaming Busquets on the press. I'm not, because you're right. It's fair to lump Piquet and Langley and personnel in there as well. So, you know, I'm not completely putting it on Busquets. But I, I think what I meant was with, you can throw PK in here too, with, with the age that has been blamed on the lack of pressing. Again, it's not just Busquets, it's, it's all of the veterans. When you blame age as to why the press isn't working, like it was with Suarez and Messi, because they were not really pressing much at all, even though they were generally in the right spots. If, I, I want to see what happens when this coach who's allowed to, to experiment takes away that excuse. I'm, I'm interested to see when you can't blame yeah. on veterans. So actually, this is a question now, Europa League. I know Xavi says he wants to win the Europa League, but now with Barca, with those three titles, it's not even about whether they can win or not, but as far as rotation, as far as how this, the rest of this season is set up, yeah, I mean, what kind of teams are we going to be expecting in the Europa League? You think it's just going to be, I mean, for me, I would say that is where you rotate. Honestly, I know you want to win the title, but I mean, I think top four is a priority. You save Ansu Fati for top four. I mean, if I'm if I'm if I'm Xavi, I only start Ansu basically in the Liga, and I wrote you know, and then Dembele gets to start in Europa League or something like that. And Memphis has to play ninety minutes all the time. But I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, what are you prioritizing now? Is it? I think it's still got to be the Liga over Europa League, even. Both. Well, both deprioritize the Copa del Rey, which Barca, Barca, Barca for some reason Barcelona never deprioritizes the Copa del Rey like they should. They always take that competition seriously, like a bunch of idiots. But uh, yeah, deprioritize Copa del Rey and do your best both in, in Europe and La Liga. I mean, you're asking the wrong, wrong person because uh, I, I'm usually quite, quite positive. But right now I feel as if, you know, we wouldn't even stand a chance in single, in single Nabe. Hmm. So, well, um, yeah, I mean, because, the, the, the feeling you have, the depression you have is completely valid like it's the last time that Barca failed to get out of the group stage of Champions League was 2000 2001 finishing third in the group behind AC Milan and Leeds United a team that you know and that was a team that Xavi was a part of with um Lawrence Ferrer uh Ferrer being the manager I mean that was a long long time ago 2003 they I mean I'm just I'm saying like it's a long long time since it's been it it is but it's but it's it's not about being eliminated against Bayern it's more about you know when, when Kuman was our coach and when, you know, everything took a turn for the worst and we started playing so poorly, I was not that uh, sad about it because I felt, well, I always felt that Kuman was here on borrowed time. Like the moment that he was hired, mm-hmm. I knew that Kuman is going to be here for two seasons max because he's simply not a good enough coach to be here for longer than that. So I, I appreciated his first season because it already went better than, than I personally expected. And when things were starting to go horribly wrong this season under Kuman, I was like, well, you know, it's freaking Kuman. It's Kuman. So if we can, the moment that we get rid of him, somebody else can come in and I'll turn it around. 
So what really depresses me is not that we're eliminated uh, from um, uh, from the Champions League because we knew that yesterday. It's just that there are no signs of this being turned around. It's been four or five matches, and only one of those matches we played decent football and still ended up in a 0-0 draw um, w- w- with a team that is simply too talented to not play better than they are playing. We haven't scored an open, open, um, uh, open game goal in three matches now. Now we scored a penalty against. Um, against that's or against Villarreal. Against Espanol, yeah, yeah no, yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we scored we scored goals against Villarreal, and yeah. since since Villarreal we've had what two matches, okay. Yeah, Villarreal was a Coutinho penalty, and then it was a penalty against Espanol too from Memphis. No, 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 no. And, and and Memphis scored uh, against Villarreal, of course. Right. So I don't know, man. It's it's rough. Well, yeah, I mean, it. Well, that's why I guess I mean I think we're saying the same thing in different ways. That it, it is rough. That's what I mean. It's it's Barcelona is in their darkest period, and it, again, it's not because we're saying it's not a quick fix. Like this is a, it's not an emotional reaction to Bayern Munich. It is an emotional reaction to where the state of the club is at the moment. Again, in two thousand three, <laughs> they finished sixth place in the league, missed out on the Champions League. They got to the fourth round of the Europa League in 03-04 Then the next season, losing the Celtic, and then they won the Champions League two years later. Though, so you do with that kind of information what you will. That yes. Barcelona financially, as far as where they are on the global stage, the way that finances have changed in football, even with the ways that uh, certain clubs are financed, like that has changed. So I think it's a lot more difficult to win a Champions League two years after you're in Europa League. I think it's a lot more difficult mm-hmm. nowadays. But yeah, it's, it's, it is a reminder that Barcelona have not been in this sad state in 18 years. And that's a long time. And so not to say like, I'm not to say that it's okay that Barca are in this dark period, but, but football is very cyclical. And, you know, I, again, maybe I'm a very negative, maybe I'm a, a little bit cynical, but w- what I say is that if we can be in the darkness right now, if you can embrace and understand the dark place you are at the moment, when the sun comes back out, you'll see it, you'll understand it, and it'll be there. So, I mean, the same way that when Johan Cruyff, and this is going way, way back, he lost two of what was the Europa League, actually, the UEFA Cup at the time. He lost two of those in the semifinals, plus one in the quarterfinal. He won was it two total trophies at FC Barcelona, but yet Johan Cruyff is Johan Cruyff. And so what will we take from this dark period? What will be taken from right now and carried forward throughout the annals of time? And those are the, those are the things I wonder. And those are the things I question. And if anything, I was more frustrated in the short term that Barca missed out on the 10.5 million or the 15.5.2 uh, for not making the knockout. But again, that, that, that money is, I mean, these are again, pennies on the dollar or pennies on the year, whatever you want to call it, a half penny on the on the on the pound for what Coutinho was, right? What is 10 million after you made the bad decision of the Coutinho deal? It's nothing. It's a Barcelona have to make good decisions as a club for a few years now. That's what has to right. happen now. And so yeah, and 10 million is not going to throw them off the course. Hypothetic hypothetically, money-wise, uh, if we uh, if we win the Europa League. Uh, what with all the extra income from the from the games that we sp- play and people that come to the stadium and whatnot, oh, yeah, um, that that might make up for it. However, it's the prestige, it's the sponsors, uh, it's like everything is intertwined. It's the fact that you know already there are reports saying that uh, you know we were um, we were kind of like going after this uh, Adeyemi kid uh, from Salzburg. Mm-hmm. Already, there's there's a report coming out of Sky Sports Germany that you know he's going to choose Dortmund because he likes their sporting project better than ours. 
Yeah. I mean, Dan, how depressing is that? Dortmund, and I think Dortmund is a wonderful club. I think it's an amazing club. But for a club that by default does not compete for prizes, because by default, they're not going to win the Bundesliga because nobody else, nobody other than Bayern Munich wins the Bundesliga. Like that league is decided the day before the season starts. And he likes their sporting project more than ours. Not, of course, it's a rumor, but well, still. I also think. I mean, he's also German, so I mean, I, I mean, I, I could go back and forth about that one. That he's he's playing in Austria. He is German. He was raised in the Bayern Munich system, and I think there is something very comforting about getting higher wages at Dortmund and going and playing in the Bundesliga, where his position, those forwards, just score goals. They do well. And then they make more money down the line. So if he ever, if he was at Dortmund for two or three years and still dreamed of coming to Barca when they do have a better sporting project, then he can come. It's unfortunately going to cost Barca more money for that. But I mean, like, if it, I think if, it's a, if a Spanish play was going the opposite direction, then I guess so, right? If Nico decided to leave and not sign a renewal and Nico decided to mm-hmm. go to, you know, I guess a comparable club, Dortmund or Borussia Mönchengladbach or, you know what I mean, or, or, or Leipzig. Like, well, like Elas Moriba did, right? So if, if Nico decides to do that, then, I mean, I, I think though that one hurts a little more. That one where you, you kind of ask a bit more questions, but I don't know. Like, I know you say, it, I know you said sporting, but I also wonder if between what Dortmund can pay the agent commissions and things like that, like so often it just comes back to the business stuff and the stuff you roll your eyes about. And I think Dortmund is really banking quite a bit in their transfers on a sale of Erling Holland for a a just a, a a ton of money that Barcelona did unfortunately not get from a potential sale of Messi, which is another mm-hmm. part of that. But so, you know, I, I think we're way off it. I I don't think there's much more to say, but I will let you kind of say your 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 piece. I mean, the first word you said on the show was the only one I had to beep. So I appreciate if you don't have to if I don't take my beeper out again. But yeah, I mean, it, it's sad. Is there anything I can say to cheer you up? How about that? I mean, is there any beep? <laughs> Yep, I, I think I think that's what we're feeling. I think you conveyed it well. Um, I think that 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 does it for this show. I mean, this is going to be the best team that Barcelona have to face this year. There it is. So I mean, Barcelona will not be outdone by a team that is that superior to them this season for the rest of the year. If they um, are Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid, it's because they played poorly. Like they they can Barca can play worse than they played against Bayern Munich. I think that's actually true. They could play worse and get outclassed worse but I don't think they're going to face a better team than Bayern Munich, unless you have a suggestion. A full-strength um, Madrid in the Bernabeu might, might, might still be a better team than Munich, uh, missing some of their key players today. Like Kimmich. Yeah, it could have been worse, but I don't know. I, I think there's that intensity that Barcelona might lack against Bayern Munich. I, I feel like they make up for a little bit of it against Real Madrid, but again, we'll have to see. I don't want to talk about that doomsday scenario until it comes. So until then, there is still... Plenty of action to look forward to throughout the, I mean, remaining month of December. I mean, it, not to say it gets a little easier, but Osasuna is a good team, but it's Osasuna and Elche and then Sevilla on the 21st. But yeah, I mean, it's Osasuna and, and Elche. So it goes back to, not to say back to reality, but now that they're in the Europa League, you can kind of go back to what the focus is. And that's just beating teams like Osasuna, who you should be better than, and being a team like Elche, who you absolutely have to beat. And so those are the next two on the docket for the next week Osas- and a half. Osasuna is away, right? Osasuna is away, yes. Yeah, we always struggle there. And they've been good at home, and that's unfortunate. But again, that's a challenge. That's one of those things where it's like, I know that sounds like we can make excuses there. Same thing like how Barcelona always struggled against Real Sociedad on the road up in the Basque country. That's that's always true. 
But in the same way, Barcelona need to be desperate. There needs to be desperation in this squad who are good enough to compete. Yeah, and so I would expect two victories. Even from what we saw today, I expect two wins in the next two matches because I hope that's the response that the team gives. So, yeah, that's where I'll end it. Yeah. yeah Xavi did say that, uh, you know, today is day zero. And we start from, from yeah. scratch. I think it feels like that. I mean, Xavi took over a team that was already kind of one foot out of the Champions League and he finished the job. Now they're out of the Champions League. And now it really is. Yeah, it's day zero. There are three trophies left still to win. <laughs> That's what it is. That's where Barcelona is at the moment. There are three trophies left to win. And they've got, they're starting at day zero for the Copa. They're starting at day zero in the Europa. And they're starting at like day 30 of 90 in the, well, maybe more like 30 of 65 in the in the La Liga. But it is, it is game time, as you say. So, you know, if you're still with us, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Close Basic Group, Patreon, YouTube there. I did it all. You know where to find us. Thanks so much for listening to the show, though. We appreciate all of your sadness. We appreciate taking it with you. We feel the same way. So until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And most importantly, for the Barca. Bisca Barca.